You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's great help in Ramah B'Shemesh Israel 5769-2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Toldos. In this week's Parsha, we're introduced to the two sons of Yitzchak and Rivka, those two sons were Esau and Yaakov, Esau and Jacob. And the Torah introduces us to these two human beings and describes how Esau was a person who was out in the fields, he was a hunter, and Yaakov, Jacob, was a person who was a Yeshiv Oyelim, he was sitting in the tents, he was studying the Torah. When the verses want to introduce us to Yaakov and Esau, so the first story that we see with these two brothers is a very unusual story when we read it carefully and we try to understand what's going on in the story. Let's read it slowly and try to understand what's happening here. We're going to start reading from chapter 25, verse 29. It says, Yaakov is making some kind of stew. Esav comes in from the field and he's exhausted. Esav says to Jacob, Give me some of that red, red stuff. I am exhausted. The Torah says this is why he's called Red. Edom. From then on, Esav was referred to as Edom. Yaakov says, Sell me right, right now. Sell me your Bechorah. Sell me your firstborn rights. And Esav says, I'm, I'm going to die. What do I need this birthright for? And then the verse says, uh, verse 33, Yaakov, he shavali kayoim. Yaakov says to him, swear to me right now, and he swore. He sells his birthright to Yaakov, to Jacob. Jacob now turns to Esau, gives him bread and this lentil soup, this lentil stew. He eats it and he drinks. He gets up and he goes. Esau embarrasses the concept of the birthright. Okay, so now let's go through this slowly because these verses, the story on the surface, we're used to this story, we've heard the story so many times, we don't even think about the story. But the story on the surface is difficult to understand. At the very beginning of the story, so Yaakov, Jacob, is making this lentil soup. So our sages tell us, that what, what was this lentil soup? Why was he making lentil soup? So the both Yaakov and Esav at this point were 15 years old, and Abraham had just passed away. And because Abraham had just passed away, Yaakov was making this soup, this lentil stew. And the reason he specifically chose lentils is because lentils are round. And we know there's a concept the sages teach us that when a person is a mourner, so he eats foods that are round, like he eats an egg or he eats lentils. And what the roundness re- represents to us, what it reminds us, is that life is a cycle. And we go through this cycle and we need to be reminded when someone passes away that we too one day will reach our end. But life is a cycle and we have, we're inside the cycle and we have to use this cycle to our benefit. Now the question becomes here, what's the significance of the fact that Abraham had died on this very day, that all of a sudden that Esau is going and selling his birthright and Jacob is buying it from him? Why is that occurring exactly on the same day that Abraham passes away? That's the first question that I would like to ask. The next question is in the next verse. The next verse says that Esau says to Yaakov, give me some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted. And the verse tells us that because of this story, because of the fact that he said, give me some of the red stuff, so from that day on he was called Edom. He's called Red. It's very odd. Why was he called because of the statement that he made? Why is he called Edom? What's the significance of that? What does it represent? Again, the next verse brings us to the next question because immediately Yaakov says, sell me your birthright. 
That's a funny response. Uh, Asaph says, I'm exhausted. Give me some food. Yaakov says, sell me your birthright. I mean, usually, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't usually buy birthrights. You know, it's not something that's usually sold. It's not something that's usually bought. What prompted Jacob to want to buy the firstborn rights? Why all of a sudden, when they're 15 years old, or said more succinctly, why all of a sudden when Abraham dies, is this question asked? And furthermore, in the next passage, the verse tells us that Asaph willingly says, yeah, I'm going to die, so what do I need this What do I need this for? What do I need the firstborn rights for? You can have it. And he swears to him, like, why is Asaph all of a sudden ready to sell it so easily? What's, what's going on? So what I think becomes immediately clear as we read the story is the fact that Asaph, this person, was someone, wasn't per se completely evil. The verses don't seem to say that. But what we do see is that Asaph is a person who's very superficial. He sees things on the surface. When we compare him to Yaakov, Jacob was somebody who sees depth. He was somebody who was sitting and learning the Torah. He was sitting and studying. He was trying to understand what's going on in the world, in the spiritual worlds. But Asaph was somebody who was out in the fields. He was hunting. He was doing his thing. He wasn't involved in the depths of reality. That wasn't who he was. That wasn't his nature. His nature was to be somewhat shitchi, to be somewhat superficial. Now we need to understand something else here. And this is really essential because we need to know that there was something fundamental about Esau. This concept, this, this idea that he was a superficial human being, that didn't per se have to be something that was negative. Because our sages tell us that if Esau had not gone off the path and not become an evil person, so how, what would have happened to him? What would he have been? What would his role have been? So it's clear, our Chazal, our sages tell us, that Esau was considered a Yisrael Mumer, which means he was a Jew who went off the path. But what does that mean? Let's say he had stayed on the path. What would have been his role? He still would have been the same human being, the Ishtad, the man who goes out in the field. He would have been the same person who's going out to hunt. That's his nature. That was who he was. However, he would have been like we have this concept of Yisachar Zvulun. Yisachar Zvulun is that you have these two tribes. You had Yisachar who was sitting and learning, and you had Zvulun who was going out and making business and supporting Yisachar, giving Yisachar the ability. The tribe of Yisachar was able to learn Torah because Zvulun was going out and making enough parnas, enough livelihood for both of them. Now that would have been the role that Asaph would have played as well. He would have been somebody, if he would have been righteous, if he would have done what was right, if he would have chosen with his free will to do what was correct. So he would have been somebody who provided for Yaakov. He would have been somebody who was going out there making enough parnas, making enough livelihood so that both of them could do what they did best. He would be the one doing best the physical aspects of the relationship and Yaakov would have been the one who was balancing that with the spiritual aspects of their relationship and he would have been the one bringing the spiritual down into the world. This idea becomes clear when we look towards the end of the parsha at the blessings that Yitzchak intended, that Isaac intended to give to Esau, but instead Jacob stole those blessings. So the blessings become clear what Yitzchak viewed as Esau's purpose, as Esau's job in the world. It becomes clear what his job precisely was. Let's read those blessings. Keep in mind that Yitzchak, Isaac, as he's, giving, he's saying these words, he's thinking that he's speaking to his son Esav. Verses like this, chapter 27, verse 28. God should give you from the dew of the heavens and from the fat of the land and much grain and wine. The nations will serve you and the nations will bow down to you. You will be a lord to your brothers. And the sons of your mother will bow down to you. Those who curse will be cursed. Those who bless you will be blessed. 
What you see in this blessing is he doesn't say a word about anything that has to do with something spiritual. Everything, everything in this in this blessing has to do with physical things, because Esav's job, and Yitzchak knew that all along. Esav's job was to be the person who was the gvir la'achecha. He was going to be the one who was going to provide for his brother. And this, that the verse says that the sons of your mother are going to bow down to you, which is referring to Yaakov. So the Sforno explains, brings down the art scroll, that what what Yaakov meant was that he meant that. Yaakov should be completely unencumbered by any physical needs. He won't need to, to be involved in the physical world. He won't need to be involved at all. Esav would be involved in leading and ruling. And Yaakov would be the one who would sit and learn the Torah. That was the intention of Yitzchak. And it's clear from here that the whole character of Esav, his, his essence was somebody who was slightly more coarse. He was somebody who was slightly more superficial. He was somebody who was going to be the person who was involved in the physical world, providing for Yaakov, the finer human being the finer individual who would be involved in the spiritual, the esoteric, sitting in a tent, learning, learning the Torah, connecting to God. And, he, and Yaakov would be provided for by Esau. That's clear that that was the intent. Now, when we try to evaluate, so what happened? What went wrong? The problem was because of Esau's nature, he took his nature too far. The problem was that he was shitri, he was superficial, and he allowed himself to sink into the superficiality without any balance of spirituality. And I'd like to theorize, hypothesize that it could be that as long as Avraham, Abraham was still alive, so Abraham was the person who brought, he was the beacon, he was this light, this shining light to the entire world, showing that God is in the world. He was the person who was chesed, he was constantly out there, shining out into the entire world the fact that there's a God, there's a spiritual world, and it's not just what we see on the surface. So as long as Avram was alive, as long as Esau was in the proximity of a man as great as Avraham, who exuded the fact that there was a spiritual world, and there was a connection to God, so Esau was okay. There was a balance for him. The day that Abraham passed away, that day was the day when it became clear that Esau, without that balance, he's not going to make it. That's why on the day, what happens? Let's go back to the verses. So Esau comes in, he comes in from the field, and the verses tell us that he was utterly exhausted. Our sages teach us what does it mean that he was exhausted? He was ayef. He was exhausted because he had just come back from murdering someone. And I would say, it sounds like, this is the first time he'd ever done such a deed. And it's not a coincidence that he just happened to do it on the same exact day that Abraham died. No, as soon as Abraham died, that light, that shine, that spiritual light that was balancing Esau, it was gone. And as soon as that light was gone, so Esau was gone. That's why he came in, and the first thing he says, he looks at the, you know, what does he see? He sees this soup. Yaakov is making this soup, this lentil soup. It's not just any soup, it's a soup that represents the fact that there's an avelos. There's a mourning that's going on. There's a sadness that's going on. Esav doesn't see anything. He doesn't see anything beneath the surface. He's completely superficial. At this moment, he says, give me some of that red stuff. What does red stuff represent? Red stuff represents, I am completely superficial. I have sunken to the depths of superficiality. That's who I am. That's where the verse testifies to the fact that as soon as he said this, he became Edom. His, his mahus, his essence was superficiality. And he sunk to the depths of superficiality with this statement. So he comes back and he says, give me some of that red stuff. And Yaakov says, oh man, look where this guy's gotten to. Quickly, I have to take away the Bechorah. The Mephoshim explained, the commentaries explained that. What did the birthright represent? The Bechorah represented the fact that whoever was the firstborn, so he's the one who bring the sacrifices. He was the one who was the spiritual person in the family. 
Yaakov saw Esau is not going to be that. He's not going to be able to properly do that. In fact, he came in from the field. He had just murdered someone. Yaakov knew this, this person is not an appropriate person to be the one who's going to be bringing the sacrifices. So he turns to Esau and he says to him, Listen, take the soup. Sell me the Bechorah. What do you need it for anyway? And Esau, being the superficial human being that he was, unfortunately, he says, Yeah, what do I need it for? I'm going to die anyway. So he sells it, and he embarrasses the concept of the Bechorah. What does it mean he embarrasses the concept of the Bechorah? He embarrasses the concept of the spiritual aspects of his firstborn birthright. Now, I think it's significant to note that before Mashiach comes, before the Messiah comes, before God reveals himself completely in the world, so the verses tell us in Ovadia, Obadiah, he tells us that there's going to be complete destruction of Esav. Esav and everything that he represents is going to be completely destroyed from the world. Because Esav represents the superficial approach to life. Viewing everything that's in the world as just what you see is what you get. There's nothing deeper than what you see on the surface. That's the concept. That's what Esav represents. And that concept has to be completely destroyed before Mashiach comes, before there's an open revelation of God's hand in the world. And if we look around ourselves, it's not hard to identify who is identifying with Esav in our times, in our day and age. The people, the Western society that so much wants us to believe that there's nothing deeper than the surface. There's nothing more than what you see. What you see is what you get. There's just a superficial world. There's just a physical world. You know, that's the Western society. That's what they're advocating. They're advocating the idea of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we'll die. It almost sounds exactly like the words of Asa. What do I need this spirituality for? I'm going to die anyway. What do I need it for? That's what Western society advocates. That's what we are surrounded in the sea. We are deluged with the constant message that there's nothing more. There's no spiritual world. There's nothing more than what you see. Enjoy life. Go out and do whatever you want. Have a party. That's what life's all about. That's what we're, that's what we're constantly, the message we're constantly getting. So we have to realize that sometimes we have to be crafty. Yaakov, Jacob was crafty when it came to making sure that in order for him to be able to continue on his path of spirituality, Esau was not going to be the one to help him. He had to make sure to get those blessings, the blessings that represented material wealth, material welfare. He needed to get them so that he would be able to continue on his spiritual journey. Esau was not going to support him in that because Esau was completely superficial. We have to realize that sometimes we also have to be crafty. We have to make every effort to enable ourselves to be able to continue on our spiritual journeys. It's not very easy. We have to distance ourselves from the Asa. We have to distance ourselves from the Western civilization that's so hard trying to, to bang it into our heads that we're from monkeys and there's nothing more to the world than what you see is what you get. The way that we do that is by emulating Jacob. Jacob was the Yeshiv Oyelim. He was the one. Yaakov was the one who was sitting in the tents, studying the Torah, studying spirituality, ignoring the outside world, ignoring, not running out into the fields to go hunt and to see how much money he could make and how many animals he could kill. That wasn't his focus. His focus was completely on spirituality. When it was necessary, so he did what he had to do in order to get those blessings for material wealth. He did what he had to do. However, his focus was only so that he'd be able to accomplish spiritually. I want to bless you and me and all of us that we should all merit to constantly be able to look past the foolishness, the superficiality of the Western world that represents Esau, that represents Esau and his superficial view of reality. We don't want to connect ourselves to Edom. We don't want to connect ourselves to somebody who everything he saw was completely superficial. We want to connect ourselves to the Yaakov, to the Jacob, to the Yoshev Olam, the one who sat in the tents of the Torah. We want to attach ourselves to Hashem, to God, to spirituality. We want to be a finer human being. We want to try our best to see what's beneath the surface, not just to see what's on the surface but to recognize that there's so much more beneath the surface. There's a spirituality. There's an opportunity to connect ourselves to Hashem. Thank you so much for listening. And have a great Shabbos.